You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 411, the peculiar world of newspaper obituaries. Chris Packham good, BP bad. Is climate change moralising that straightforward? And makeovers with Family Gorgeous drag SOS on Channel 4. That's all coming up after the lightning seeds and lucky you.
Ian Brodie is one of the great writers and performers of pop songs over the last 30 years. That was a single from the gorgeous album Jollification. Uh, from 1995, it reached number 15 in the UK, The Lightning Seeds and Lucky You. I love that. That mm. is just clear-eyed pop, isn't it? It's so good. And I agree with you with, it, with Ian Brodie that he's, he's also an excellent producer, by the way, as well. He really is kind of multi-talented, as our American cousins would say. The uh, Lightning Seeds always fond memories for me when I was in my teens, and I got, like you do, the best of the Lightning Seeds <laughs> um, with a rather ill-conceived cover, a CGI cover of Ian, Ian Brodie surfing on the Thames with a sort of a bizarre purple backdrop. Anyway, I got it on... <laughs> On tape and i've still got my tape at home i'm so i i yeah that was one of the best best christmas presents i'd ever got it is tune after tune i once said and got into trouble for saying that the cure were a great singles band um but <laughs> yes, you did. i did but the lightning seeds again and you know i agree, I agree of course there was more to the cure than being a singles yes. band but and there's more to the lightning seeds but again they are a band that if you've got a greatest hits of there wouldn't be a filler on it no, because they it's really, just they really excel mm. at singles we can say i think yeah. that perhaps that's a, a slightly less contentious way of <laughs> welcome back my friends to the show that never ends um, it's the Parish Council podcast. This is episode 411. I'm Terence Stackham, and from what can only be described as the exotic paradise of East Sussex, it's Juliet Harris. Indeed, I am a bird of paradise down yes. here on the on the sunshine coast of uh, of the of the southeast of England. It really does feel like the azure down here at the moment. It is it, Hastings does do well in the sun. Mm. It has to be said. Hello, everybody. Spoiler alert: You're still the rain queen of Ryland's Couch Potato Quiz on BBC Radio 2 but this week your challenges it was certainly ran you close he did, yes. Uh, well, I was sort of sat in my front room, and so I, I sit and listen to the person beforehand, mm. and then, well, they ring you just before the person beforehand goes on to check that everything's all right. I had emailed in, but they rang me to check, and then um, I sat and listened to my competitor, and then they ring, when they say, oh, we're coming up next, we've got Juliet Harris to take him on, I, they ring me during the record, and then I'm transferred to the sound desk, and I did actually say to the producer, the minute that I heard this, this contestant utter the words, oh, Ryan said also I understand you know you've done something like this before and he said yes I'd won an episode of 15 to 1 I thought oh, mm-hmm. oh. and uh, he did extremely well the competitor whose name is Ryan got 9 out of 10 and then I have to say I had to listen back to it to remember what happened because I was so pumped up on adrenaline it was like it was like being on some kind of hallucinogenic drug I think I, I couldn't remember most <laughs> of my questions afterwards it was only when I listened back that I remembered what the questions were managed managed somehow to get the, the 10 out of 10 that was needed to beat the 9 out of 10 and make some good radio in the process I think I can't imagine what it must have felt like to listen to at home oh it was it was wonderful I mean I I um I I wasn't worried, but I obviously thought this is going to be a real challenge. And I thought, if you just get the first couple right, I thought then that'll yep. give you a kind of, you know, you'll get into a run and you'll be all right. So I was praying you'd get the first one right, because I thought that would be awful if you got the first one wrong mm. and then you knew you'd got to get everything. Yeah. 
down early mm. on when you need to win. Absolutely. And I had a, um, a most of my friends apparently had sort of minor sort of panicky moments mm. during the first question as I deliberated over what it was. Yes. The question was, what was the Quentin Tarantino film that won the jury prize at Cannes in 1994? And I had to do mental somersaults to check whether it was Reservoir Dogs or Pulp Fiction. And then somehow out of the middle of nowhere, my brain was telling me that Reservoir Dogs was 92 or 93. So then I went with Pulp Fiction and it turned out to be that. And as they say, the rest was history. The, uh, the, mm. the, uh, it was it was a wild ride. What can I say? Delighted to have two weeks off. By the way, first the first week off being because Rylan just refuses to do Glastonbury. And good for him, frankly. Mm. It's good to, to know your uh, good to know your sphere of comfort. And then they are off to Ibiza, which I get the impression is very much their sphere of comfort. <laughs> mm. And uh, that week I'm on a Hindu, so uh, All so works out well, doesn't it? Yeah, but it's, it's still it's still a great pleasure to participate. Rylan is a is a lovely chap. It, it would seem there was a really good interview with him in the Guardian mm. earlier on. It's worth reading because he comes across so well, and uh, and yeah, it, it, it's a lot of fun. What can I say? It's a, it's a huge amount of fun. I'm really getting to enjoy it, and uh, uh, without sounding like a, a cliched footballer or strictly come dancing a, a, a ten test, and every week, extra week is a bonus. So uh, so let's just see how we get on. And from a fellow Rylan who's full of life, um, let's look at obituaries. Um, they... <laughs> Some people who are very much not full not, of life. Not full of life. Um, it's almost partridge-esque in its segueing, can I just point out? I thought long and hard about that. I thought that's that's going to sound <laughs> awful. Um, yeah, no, obituaries have become a regular part of all our lives, and indeed um, deaths, as we, we're pointing out. <laughs> Most newspapers devote uh, at least a page each day to accounts of the lives of well-known people who've died. One of the crucial things uh, to get right is to be sure that the person has actually died. In... Yes, it's amazing how often people get that wrong. Yes, in 1916, the writer Robert Graves read a report of his death in The Times. He was 21, <laughs> and he went on to live for another 70 years. Um... Maybe wouldn't have done had he not been given that incentive by the <laughs> Maybe so. Was it that, that lovely Mark Twain phrase, uh, phrase rumours of my death have been greatly really, exaggerated? Yes, indeed. And in January 2016, when, when David Bowie died, uh, the UK radio station Heart FM accidentally announced to all its listeners that the Prime Minister David Cameron had died. Um, <laughs> Which, which does, does, you know, sort of change the complexions of things a bit, doesn't it? Yes, yes. It's hard to see uh, David Cameron really picture him dressed up as Ziggy Stardust, really. Right. There's something about the word David that seems to spark kind of de- sort of death-type confusion because there was a... Um, there was a uh, the, the death of David Bowie um, was announced at the Celebrity Big Brother house, you might recall this, which oh, included yes. Angie Bowie at the time, yes. who said, oh, David's dead... And for uh, the, for some reason, the house was swept um, swept with confusion that that one of its other residents, David, David Guest, Guest. Oh. had died. Hence, there was something of a a punch up over that. And then, ironically, David Guest did go on to die. In fact, yes. it turned out. But still, but yeah, if your name is David, be be prepared to be killed off before you've died, or indeed not killed off when you have. Newspapers, um, though these days they they do aspire to write up a fair account of the lives of the great and good when they've gone. Usually, they try and emphasise the positives of a life lived except you're the guardian um that printed <laughs> this... my beloved guardian yeah. every time i think i've got off it they've done something that made me think oh do you know what this is my paper yeah they this week they printed an obituary of the historian norman stone which appeared to be written in ink laden with venom um <laughs> here's the last paragraph i'll just read the last paragraph uh, quote journalists often described him norman stone as one of britain's 
leading historians, but in truth he was nothing of the kind, as any serious member of the profession will tell you. The former Prime Minister, Edward Heath, was wrong about many things, but he was surely right when he said of Norman Stone during his time in Oxford... Many parents of Oxford students must be both horrified and disgusted that the higher education of our children should rest in the hands of such a man. Meow! That is that is proper hissy, isn't it? That is almost as good as the opening paragraph which states um, as the judge of the Frankel Prize in contemporary history some years ago he told the astonished members of the jury that they should not award the prize to a historian of Germany whose politics he disliked because she was an East German agent an allegation that was enough to rule her out of contention even though it was absolutely baseless and undoubtedly defamatory they're not holding back with their assessment of this stone character are they? They're not, and it led me to wonder, you know, how how would you like to be remembered, Jules, when the, the inevitable time comes, but not for many, many years, I'm hoping? Well, that is very kind of you, thank you. I will, as, as long as I'm still on Ryland's Quiz, <laughs> yes, I will still be still alive in all our hearts. <laughs> um, well, I, that, this is one of the questions. Mm. I, the Guardian Q&A that they do every week. Right. Um, they, in the Guardian Saturday magazine, which is called Weekend, they, for many years, have done a, a piece called the Q&A, right. which is a... Exactly that. They get a, a, a celebrity or person of note every week, and they ask them pretty much the same questions there's a question bank of apparently of about sort of 35 to 40 questions so they don't ask exactly the same questions every week but there's a limited number of questions they ask and it's when you ask different people the same questions it's very revealing hmm. and one of the questions is how would you like to be remembered oh okay and the idea is, is that the q a is designed they're one liner questions designed for one liner answers or, or two liner answers one of them is what is your most what was your most embarrassing moment um, I very much enjoyed Sophie Nakanewo's answer the time I sneezed and fasted at the same time in Swiss Cottage Library, for example. There are some excellent, excellent questions. And I, I sometimes, in my own head, because I am that vain and am that egotistical, imagine being interviewed by The Guardian for their Q&A. Mm-hmm. And a friend of mine actually did this on her blog, which I, I quite enjoyed. I might ask her to do me at some point. But um, uh, when, in my answer to the, um, to, the, uh, to, the, to the question, how would you like to be remembered would be one word actually and it would be fairly as long as i'm remembered Hmm. fairly i was tempted by kindly but actually Hmm. if people or families be unkind which i would be mortified by but Hmm. it is possible then why shouldn't they remember me as that i do get a bit fed up with this kind of rose tinting Hmm. when people die and people go oh he was a wonderful bloke and you know he was kind to all of his friends and then in in small kind of at the bottom of the obituary it always says who they're survived by and I remember I've read more than one obituary of you know what a smashingly entertaining bloke some guy was and then at the bottom you learn that he's survived by his seven children and four ex-wives <laughs> so I you know I, I, I like the idea that people are remembered honestly and actually I'm, I'm quite enjoying that uh, that obituary in the garden simply because it is honest and it's not whitewashing it's not mm. you know sweeping there's a lot of sweeping things under the carpet you sense in, in some obituaries mm-hmm. and when you sort of see he went through a difficult time in the 80s which I take <laughs> as COVID as being you know he was drunk and violent and that's the kind of way that I interpret 
put it that. I, you know, I, I would like to be remembered honestly, I think, and fairly. And if some people think I'm an idiot, then so be it, frankly. I'd rather, I'd rather that they didn't. But having said that, I'm getting to that age where I've learned that you can't, the only way in which you control what people think of you is to try and behave as, be, as best, to be your best self and try and behave as nicely as you can. And if you don't behave nicely, then, you know, then you don't deserve to be remembered well, do you really? And the fact of the matter is I'm not going to be here when people publish my obituaries. So I just think, well, just say what you want, really. As long as it's honest and you haven't made up a load of old gump, then why should you say I've been nice to you when I haven't? Somehow any of us, I think particularly those of us whose wings have fluttered only very briefly in the flame (laughs) of fame. Yes, you have been more famous than me. Uh, Well, yeah, for brief moments of time. And, And I think... We're, we're, we're reduced down, those of us like that, are reduced down to a few words by obit writers. Now, I remember yes. when my career was probably at its most high, high profile when I was writing for Spitting Image in the mm. late 80s. And I was sitting in the green room um, at Central Television uh, alone with Elvis Costello because he was appearing on some TV show on Central Television that night. And although we were both in our early 30s for some reason i can't remember now we got talking about ob- obituaries if we were mm. both to die overnight which it was funny at the time what a, what a cheery topic <laughs> <laughs> in your early 30s it was it was quite amusing and yeah, El- because, because yeah the reason it's amusing is because you think it's never going to happen exactly that far, it felt a it? very long way away less so now and um elvis felt that it would be if it happened it would his death would be announced on radio two and mm. ken bruce would play watching the detectives and oliver's army back to back and that would be it uh, <laughs> you know, th- 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 then they'd move on to Popmaster. and to this day i would probably merit a tiny paragraph on page four of the stage they have little snippets of stories which are like one paragraph long three lines and i think it would say spitting image writer dies and people would think who and turn the page because we're all just grains of sand jewels it's true isn't it and and you know to to some extent i can understand why we're boiled down to our greatest achievements because what seems like greatness to us is like you say just a passing kind of line in a newspaper to other people really so uh, so yeah i do understand why you know we are i, I will be reduced to um former bbc radio 2 quiz show <laughs> contestant times yeah. i don't know it's 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 you know it's 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 strange isn't it it's strange to think about but yeah we um i've always enjoyed the in on the sort of word and then afterwards the magazine boards there was always the uh, the beatles were always known as the hey jude hit maker and the other day when I was sat at my desk, our homepage on our computers is, is MSN or Microsoft or whatever it is. And it, it, it sort of brings across stories from different um, different publications. But whichever publication it might have been Sky that it's sourced from used the word hitmakers unironically throughout, really. And it always makes oh. me laugh that uh, I wonder what hitmakers will be reduced to. But yes, we are all hitmakers in the end and nothing more. Coming next, climate change. But... Do the protesters really hold the moral high ground? That's next, right after Kylie. I'm on the first plane to New York. We could do a real time walk that walk. I'm so tired of that talk, talk, talk. I just want to get to you. Get me on a train to the big bad city. Boy, I gotta see your face so bright. Bet you can't wait to slow dance with me. I just want to get to you.
this has got such bounce to it. I'm such a huge fan of Kylie generally and have been for many years. And the thing I'm enjoying about Kylie now is having had a not unenjoyable but slightly peculiar foray into country and western style music two or three years ago i'm very much enjoying the fact that she's realized that following her poor quality performance at, at, at eurovision madonna either can't or won't be madonna anymore so kylie is is admirably sort of doing that sort of thing instead and doing it very very well it has to be said i think that's a incredibly fizzy fun and i really enjoy it that's kylie minogue and new york city i love this track it really actually does capture the buzz and atmosphere of New York and I was thinking about when Kylie had to pull out of Glastonbury Mm. through illness and I thought to myself gosh that must be five years ago now it was 14 years ago in 2005 it's perhaps like you say a bit of a bit of a kind of telling telling point of how the time moves on that the Glastonbury will see Kylie Minogue return to it this year in the legend slot on the, mm. on the Sunday tea time which to be fair must be slightly mortifying but Kylie Minogue has not, not because she does seem very decent has not kind of made anything of that and has just said how pleased she is to finally be going to Glastonbury and how upsetting it was to have to pull out the first time round. but she has got a back catalogue to die for frankly so very mm. very much looking Looking forward to having my roast at my parents on Sunday night. We always watch the Glass and Tea Time slot together. So very much looking forward to to Kylie this year. I bet she'll I bet she'll put on a proper show. She'll be great. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it too. Now, when it comes to climate change and the environment, it all seems rather straightforward. Mm. Uh, many politicians and just about all big industry are the baddies, the villains, and people like <laughs> Chris Packham and Emma Thompson are the goodies fighting the good fight. This week, the wonderful actor Mark Rylance resigned from mm. the Royal Shakespeare Company because of BP's, British Petroleum's, long-running corporate sponsorship deal with the Royal Shakespeare Company, and BP sponsors £5 ticket deals for 16 to 25-year-olds. Now, I get confused by this. Um, I guess I'm supposed to hate BP for taking out fossil fuel from the earth, but are theatres where Mark Rylance performs, are they lit by candles? Um, And when Emma Thompson (laughs) came over recently to join in the eco-protest, I know you know what I'm going to say, but I think it's still valid. (laughs) I mean, I I, I find it funny too. Yeah, she came over to protest with the Extension Rebellion in London. She didn't attempt to walk over the Atlantic. She (laughs) boarded an enormous aeroplane that ran on aviation fuel derived from the planet that Emma seeks to protect. So I'm confused, Jules. It doesn't feel as straightforward as here's some heroes and here's some villains to me no it doesn't but then we seem to live in a world in an age where things have to be reduced to black and white no i agree with you i mean i i admire mark rylance for what he's done because i i i do think that everybody has to do their bit in this in this war against i say war against climate change basically in this war against people that that can't that can't or won't realise that we are destroying our planet and that we all need to fundamentally change our habits and behaviours and thought processes in order to stop that. All of us have a duty to do our bit and ultimately fossil fuels fuels will destroy our planet so i do i do you know you can finance all the five pound tickets you want for for theaters in the afternoon but it's not it's not going to change the fact that continued lobbying to not move to renewable energy continuing lobbying lobbying to protect your shareholders interests in producing fossil fuels that will destroy our planet is is 
it's not on, I don't think. So I, I admire Mark Rylance for taking a stand because it's very, it, you know, do you know what he could have done? He could have just done an interview saying, oh, I'm very worried about climate change and then done nothing and continued to, to work for an organisation that was heavily sponsored by BP. So I do admire Mark Rylance for actually having the courage of his convictions rather than just uttering a few mealy-mouthed sentences in a newspaper interview and then not doing anything. I agree that it is a bit ridiculous and hypocritical that people like mm. Emma Thompson make such a song and dance and then fly into you know fly into things it is possible to i mean there is no other way of getting getting to london from 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 america but that i think you should when you're making those kind of speeches you should note that you should say you know i couldn't get here any other way but you know and i know it's ridiculous but i want to do all i can i don't think i don't think the idea that you've had to fly somewhere necessarily if anything, it means that you should then be standing up against climate change because you're sort of negating your own actions, aren't you really? You're, do, you're trying your best to make things better and I think it's so easy to pick people apart and go, oh, well, she said this or, or you know, he's doing that when actually we've all got to do something really and doing something is better than doing nothing at all and so I do I do admire Mark Ryland to this. It's not always a case of black and white but having said that, I think it's it's very telling that rather than t- than picking apart people that are at least trying to do something positive, we really should be looking at why people like BP are still behaving in the way that they are. We should we should be we, that's what that's where our focus should be. I think, and I know that part of the problem with the with the I think we're going to talk about it with the climate change movement movement, particularly extinction rebellion, is that it has slightly become hijacked by sort of very well-meaning people who are a bit middle class and a bit shouty and don't and don't you know don't don't really have it you know seen they're not particularly considerate of others but i suppose my view is this isn't just you know always oh, it, it, it climate change is not just regrettable if you see what i mean so climate change is 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 the biggest emergency we are experiencing we have we've got a duty to leave a world for our children by the way i hugely admire all the greta thunberg and all of the the young people that are sort of standing up against climate change i think they're they're fantastic and you know that they're the future of our world really and i really admire them i would much you know, I, th- I would much rather applaud people for, for trying to do the right thing than sort of picking apart their, you know, oh, well, they could have done that better, or they could have done that better. Uh, you know, climate, you know, climate change might, you know, people protesting might be inconvenient, but so's our world ending, you know? I think that's the bigger inconvenience, really. I, I yeah, I, I, I'm starting to harden against the idea that you know people that pro- protesters might be inconvenient. Uh, to me, you know, I, th- I think climate change trumps everything, frankly. Well, I don't, because I think we're talking of inconvenience, that earlier this week um, here in England, the protesters' uh, extinction rebellion, they blocked one of the major roads in and out of London. It's the mm. A3. And oh, yes. London's artery, I think. Indeed, that yes. My local newspaper reported a case of an elderly patient at our local hospital mm. who was urgently in need of blood for a transfusion mm. um, and they were intensive care but the transport vehicle couldn't get out of the traffic jam caused deliberately by Extinction Rebellion. Yes. Now was this elderly person to be dismissed as collateral damage no, if they died? No, no, this is where the hypocrisy yeah. comes in. I'm sure many of the celebrity advocates are well-intentioned and I, I, you know they don't get to see the layers of hypocrisy in their statements versus their actions. There's an interview 
in the New Musical Express this week with Cheryl Crow, in which she she speaks with some passion about the need to reduce greenhouse gas emissions and how climate change is destroying the planet. But she's currently in the middle of a a massive tour around Mm -hmm. Europe, America, Canada, Mexico. How is she and her entourage... Uh, traveling to gigs you know they're, they're not going by bicycle and she <laughs> and she's plucking a new record coming out this summer and i think you know what does what does she think cds are made from organic air you know mm, um, i'm it's... not i'm not picking on cheryl crow i think we all want to be more environmentally friendly and reduce climate change and then the trouble is we all then get in our cars and drive and turn on our heating systems and our air conditioning mm. and buy stuff made from plastic and polycarbonate, yet then we kind of congratulate ourselves for taking a couple of reusable bags to the supermarket. So I think we're all environmental hypocrites. Well, I don't think that's quite true, actually, because I actually know a lot of people who are substantially changing their habits, and actually I include myself in this, and I think that rather than just saying, oh, well, you're just a hypocrite, so don't do anything at all, I think I think that, that every step that we can take counts, ultimately. So, so I, I am afraid that I do think that it is very easy to sort of sit... I think the problem is, is that generations of people have felt that climate change is sort of bad and we should do something about that, but it is the next generation's problem, and ultimately the buck will stop. So actually, I admire anybody that's trying to do their best. Yes, as you say, it is a bit hypocritical if you're flying around the world, mm. but equally, if that statement makes someone... you know, makes, makes her fans or admirers think, you know what, I do really need to do more, maybe that will have an impact in itself. So... So yeah, like you say, it's not it's not an easy and straightforward thing, but we've got to do something. Mm. And I would rather do something than, however compromised, I'd rather do something than nothing. Fair enough. Coming next, we've been watching a new show on Channel Four. We have, yes, called Drag SOS. <laughs> I mean, can you guess whose idea this was? Clue, not Terence. <laughs> <laughs> was it any good? Uh, that's next after Lennon and Maisie. Do you recall not long ago? We would walk on the sidewalk Innocent, remember All we did was care for each other When I was warm, we were bold and young All around the wind blows We would only hold on to let go Blow a kiss, fire gun We don't need someone to lean on Blow a kiss, fire 
They will be familiar to anyone who watched the ABC music drama series Nashville that ran for seven years up to 2018. This was their brilliant uh, country-tinged cover of Major Lazer's worldwide hit from 2015. That was Lennon and Maisie Stella and Lean On. I very much enjoyed that, despite not having having referred to and not having you know, known who anybody involved in this really was. I'd heard of Major Lazer, but I hadn't heard of anybody else. I hadn't heard the song. I hadn't heard of Lennon and Maisie. Really enjoyed that. I thought it was great. On the last podcast, Juliet, uh, as we were saying, chose... Um, well, actually, she chose as our closing track to be, bring more relevance to this, the music from a trailer for the new TV show here in the UK, Drag SOS. Yeah, the and, campus cover of the National Anthem that probably <laughs> yeah. exists, I should think. And Drag SOS is now running. The first episode was broadcast by Channel 4 this week. The tagline from Channel 4 describing the show reads... Drag Collective the Family Gorgeous help unlikely protégés to unlock their long-lost confidence and become bolder, braver, drag-enhanced versions of themselves, all with a generous splash of glitter. Well, Jules, did Drag SOS glimmer and glitter for you? It did, actually. Mm. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. It was was reminiscent of... um, a programme on Netflix called Queer Eye, which was originally in the noughties known as Queer Eye for the Straight Guy and is now just known as Queer Eye. In that I wa- I first watched Queer Eye with some trepidation, thinking, oh, oh no, it's going to be, you know, makeover problems and people going, oh, you know, people being very critical of people at the beginning. And actually, I really enjoyed Queer Eye because I thought it was actually very sensitive and actually everyone in it had good intention. And I felt exactly the same way about Drag SOS. I bet that they kind of based it heavily on that. I thought it was a huge amount of fun. I thought the people that they got to kind of make over were really interesting and I, do you know what this is the kind of thing I want to watch really I thought mm. it was I thought it was a lot of fun and actually I I, I thought it was good hearted yes well in, in the first few seconds of Drago SOS I thought all of the presenters had stepped out of David Bowie's Ashes to Ashes video <laughs> but we weren't at pet level in your East Sussex we were in no, Dover absolutely, yeah. which seemed a rather random town to start the series um, I think that's the point of it the point of it is is that they're trying to look for people who are I don't want to say ordinary people hmm. but I, I was really pleased that they started in a seaside town in Kent and not in London hmm. or Manchester or Edinburgh or Birmingham I thought it was really cool that they started somewhere that was that was just that could have been anywhere if you see what I mean yeah we met three people all of whom seemed to be going through challenges in life Sean who had a gay son and had struggled to yes. accept this when his son was in his teens there was an attractive young lady called Nico who had a mental breakdown I, I, at uni I wondered if you might be a fan of her <laughs> yeah she's a very good looking young lady and very um, articulate and yes. um, w- well spoken and she came a- across well I thought mm, yeah. and Abby a single mother for nine years and she has two children with ADHD which appeared to mean she needed extraordinary levels of patience from yes. what we witnessed on TV. Now, the show, the show highlighted, I think, how much some people are defined by their worry about how yes. others see, that, see yes, them. Yes, absolutely. Um, it's, and in some ways, it was less about dressing in drag, more about empowering the participants to feel comfortable about themselves. My only real criticism, because I enjoyed it immensely, but my only real criticism is that an hour was way, way too long, yes. even with commercial breaks. A 30-minute format would yes, have suited this could, idea. Yes, I agree. They, they did feel like there was a lot of padding and flashbacking and flash-forwarding and, and yeah, it's always, a, it's always and actually in a way that is quite American. American programs are often 
padded out to be longer than they should be, mostly because of commercial breaks. Mm. And that is very much an American reality TV uh, previously on this program mm. you watched five minutes ago. And then coming up in five minutes on this program, you're still intending to watch. I mean, it is it that that did smack of padding, I must admit. But yeah, it could it could have been shorter and maybe even 45 minutes would have been easier mm. for me. You know, I think the full hour really was a little bit. I don't know. It's, it, it's a bit of a shame because actually, like you say, it did slightly reduce the impact. But no, I thought it was it was brilliant. And like you say, such a clever program in that they hook people in by thinking, oh, you know, by this sort of outrage of drag. But actually, it's not about that at all. No. It is it is about the I I love the, the 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 one word that's often used that I think was actually used in the in the song that we played last week mm. and is and is often used to describe drag queens is bold and boldness and the idea that you are sort of fierce and and presenting a not presenting a front to the world but presenting a kind of a you're being in control when you do drag you it's you that's chosen to look like that and has chosen to be arrested and you're grabbing people's attention and but in a way in which you are controlling it when i have seen drag queens more we have weirdly we've got a couple of of, of gay pubs down here in hastings now so we get quite a few coming through and uh, particularly at the fountain the marina fountain in a no not the marina fountain sorry that's the other one there are two pubs called the fountain and mm. we live our life in perpetual confusion the marina fountain gets lots of uh, lots of ibiza djs in it apparently there the, the fountain um, which is on Queen's Road in Hastings, gets loads of drag queens. And the thing I love is that they're always really funny and they are always in control. The drag queen hosts the show. The drag queen is, is running the show. And in a way, that's a great kind of lesson to pass down to people, even if they're not going to, you know, even if Sean is not going to walk around dressed as a drag queen. <laughs> no. You know, the fact that he, he, you know, the fact that it not only does it give you confidence in putting on uh, you know, presenting yourself to the world in a way in which you are in control, which I think is hugely important, particularly for the lady with the two, the two kind of um, the, the the two ADHD sons. I think that's really important to her. But also, I think that the 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 idea that it teaches people about tolerance as well. I thought Sean's journey was really affecting, actually, and mm. really moving particularly when he was able to sort of own his past behavior and say to his son you know look this wasn't this wasn't acceptable at all this wasn't you know uh, that that wasn't right the the willingness to grow i think is is lovely i thought it was a great program like you say i think it could have been cut down a bit but you know i'd rather that it's that i it, well much like our conversation earlier i'd rather it was imperfect than not existing at all mm. and anything at all of course that encourages this all to be the person we want to be is to be supported i think yeah, and the, 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 the kindness that the uh, drag queens showed towards their oh, fellow men and women was yeah. just really quite touching they're a absolutely. lovely group of people yeah um, and again very much similar to queer eye and it was just a group of really nice people and i thought yeah long may this continue drag sos it's um on tuesdays on channel four here in the uk at 10 o'clock in the evening well, you have a fortnight away now from Ryland on Radio 2, so how are you going to fill your time this week? Well, you know, obviously it's going to be a struggle mm. for me to fill, you know, to, to somehow find a way to fill the 15 minutes on a Saturday <laughs> void. But um, I, I, I found ways and means. I will be um, at, for people that like to listen to the podcast the moment it comes out, because mm. why wouldn't you? Oh, um, I am um, DJ, DJing with my good friend, Bongo Debbie Greenspoon. At the, uh, yes, you're, you're much like Bongo Debbie, mm. at, the, um, at the Dragon Bar in Hastings this Saturday, the 29th of June from 8 until 11. 
11. It's going to be incredibly hot, and hopefully we will have a lot of fun. Obviously, England women's semi-final is in my uh, is in my diary for next Tuesday. I will be enjoying watching that, and then we will be reconvening together next week. I'm sure. I'm sure we will. Looking forward to it. Um, thanks very much for listening. Um, we really appreciate that you you join us for this. Oh yes, absolutely. I mean, think of all the other things you could be doing, and yet you're here. Thank you so much. <laughs> thanks to Hilly and Rona. As always, yeah. And playing us out, a new track from a band who come from Louisiana. Yes, I knew very little about them. I hadn't even heard of them, to be honest. Yeah, but too. I'm quite a fan. Other music listening and streaming services are available, obviously. Mm. But I subscribe to Apple Music, and they have these curated playlists. Spotify and other services do similar things, I think. And they have an indie one that's quite good. And they and the thing that makes them good is that they update them fairly regularly. So you can subscribe to it, and then it will change every couple of weeks. And I was sort of scrolling through it this week to see if there was anything that I thought looked or sounded interesting. And I, I played this, and I just loved it. it. I just thought it was a very sort of um very captivating tune i like the kind of african influences at the beginning similar to the other band that i love at the moment sacred pause i just thought it was a it was a really engaging and captivating tune so the band is called generationals and this is called i turn my back on the written word i
You've been listening to a Parish Council production.